This is Marco Reus and you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 291 of the Yellow World Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and this week we will talk about the Champions League. Finally, it is here. Borussia Dortmund will host FC Barcelona for the first time in the Champions League on Tuesday night, 9pm kickoff. And uh, to discuss all that and more joins me, the wonderful Lars Polman. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? Are you feeling the excitement? Is Zadok the Priest running on loop? What? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm fine, last? Stefan. Whatever. I'm fine. <laughs> well, um, maybe not a big fan of Zadok the Priest. That's fine. Um, we I also don't even know what, who or what it is. All right. Uh, that is uh, the uh, soundtrack from the Champions League or, or where it's uh, inspired from. Anywho, um, we also have a guest for this episode. He's a freelance journalist and the editor-in-chief of Barcelona.de, Alex Troika. Hello, Alex. How are you doing? Hi, Stefan. Hi, Lars. Glad to be on your show. Thanks for welcoming me. Yeah, I'm uh, very excited to talk to you um, because uh, there is a bit of disarray at Barcelona. Um, they're only in eighth place after three match days. They have one win, one run, one loss. That's uh, even worse than Dortmund are doing. Um, <laughs> so why is Barcelona's start to the season not as strong as one may expect and is it just due to the injury of the famous Lionel Messi yeah to put it plain and simple it is because Messi is out injured he hasn't played a single minute so far in the season um, not in the preseason friendlies and not in the league and of course Barca are suffering without their best player clearly Yes, uh, I think he is doubtful for the match, right? Uh, he will be definitely out against Valencia, who Barcelona play this weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's a niggly calf injury. So um, I think a lot of Dortmund fans are really excited to see Matt de Westfalenstadion because that would be a novelty. However, um, it's not all that likely. Um, who else is injured at Barcelona to get this out of the way? I think Dembele is also struggling. Um, yeah, Dembele will be out um, for sure um, because he has a calf injury and is ruled out for a bit uh, more. With Messi, it will be um, yeah very close. We are not sure if he can return. It doesn't look good, to be honest, because he couldn't train with the team this week. So he still he still has first to to return to team training. Um, now they are playing Valencia, so the team is pre uh, preparing for the game. So we have to see if if on Monday he can return at least to the last training session before before the Champions League game. And if he cannot, then he will probably be out or definitely be out for uh, the encounter with Dortmund as well. So yeah, it's looking very unlikely that we will see Messi in in Dortmund. All right. Yeah, I think a lot of Dortmund fans will uh, be a bit disappointed. On the other hand, obviously, that will increase their chances of winning. Um, Alex, I'm following you on Twitter, and I think I've sensed a slight um, amount of criticism going towards uh, Ernesto Valverde, the, the coach. <laughs> um, why uh, is that, in your in your view, warranted? Um, well, that's a difficult topic because it's a huge one they are there are various reasons why the the fans are unhappy with them obviously because um twice now they they didn't look good in the champions league they yeah they went out in an embarrassing fashion to be honest against liverpool and roma so that plays a part or maybe even the the biggest part and because they don't they don't play that well most of the time they Yeah, they are not that entertaining. So, yeah, you know, Barca fans are always expecting them 
to play like the peak Guardiola side, the, the historical Barca side of Pep Guardiola. And with Valverde, you don't get that. Um, so yeah, there, you can say the fan base is constantly like unhappy. And obviously it's enough for them to win the league almost every year because they have Messi and with Messi, the difference is huge. Um, um, with the other teams but now you see Messi is out and now they struggle even more now the results are not coming they only won as you mentioned one game out of three so now of course the criticism amounts even more um, so yeah so that's how it is we have to see how they do in Dortmund because if Dortmund managed to win this it's gonna be a fun week in Barcelona Yeah, I, I assume sadly we uh, do not know the weekend results yet. That's, uh, I'm afraid, my fault because I don't have time to record a show before the game. Um, so here How we are. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we are on a, on a Friday. Um, Lars, are you excited to face Barcelona finally or do you think this game comes a couple of years too late to really enjoy it? Well, I mean, obviously... I think the the more fun thing to see would have been the peak Klopp against P, uh, peak Guardiola, even though I think the uh, the peaks of those two teams didn't necessarily happen at the exact same time. But um, it, it would also have been fun to see Dortmund's best football under Tuchel against uh, Barcelona back in the day, uh, because I think he's he's talked a lot about how Barcelona are or have been an influence on his uh, coaching career. So maybe it, it, it does come a little too late. And especially now if Messi can't go, that would be a, a huge bummer for people. Uh, but generally speaking, I think we've talked about this being a nice draw just for, you know, diversity. I mean, <laughs> facing Real again would have been annoying facing Atletico two times in a row. Uh, Man City, uh, great as they may be, that we've played against them or Dortmund have played against them enough. Arsenal aren't there, but you know, that Tottenham. would have been another draw. Yeah. Tottenham. So they've seen a lot of the same teams over the last few years. And I think, uh, in that sense, it, it's certainly, uh, an attractive draw. And now, obviously, with, uh, Barca's early season struggles and, Mar and Messi presumably missing the game, it's also kind of a, Good point in time for Dortmund to host Barcelona for the first time. Yeah, let me chime in there because Lars said something that I fully agree with. I was actually waiting for this game to happen for like 10 years. So it's really, really about time that Barca and, and Dortmund are facing each other. As, as Lars said, I was so, so eagerly waiting for Klopp and Guardiola to meet each other with their Dortmund and Barca sides. And then Obviously, the Tuchel side was pretty great as well, at least for a small amount of time, right? So, yeah, I'm happy that the game is finally arrived, but it's a couple of years late, probably. Yeah, I I guess. Um, I mean, Barca also a bit... Are they, are they in a transition or um, is it is it just uh, the, the usual that they have a couple of high-profile signings where they struggle to fit them in? I mean, um, I, I, I feel like one of the biggest consistencies for Barca is obviously Busquets and, and also Rakitic. And, uh, mm -hmm. I think Rakitic has featured a lot. And, uh, I don't know how De Jong has fit in so far. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about the new signings that, that Barcelona have and, and how, um, Valverde has tried to utilize them? Um, yeah, De Jong is uh, actually struggling. I mean, it's only three games, so that's normal for a new arrival. But Who's 22 we should, years old at Barcelona, it, yeah, you can see. Yeah, that. we yeah. shouldn't forget that he's he has only played in the Dutch league so far, which is a couple of levels below the top tier, I would say. And then he's very young, obviously, so that plays a part. He doesn't speak the language. That plays a part. New league, new team, new teammates. Only a couple of games. So yes, he's struggling um, so far a bit to find the right position also because the coach doesn't yet know where to put him. So De Jong has started as uh, the Busquets replacement in the first game against Athletic Bilbao where he didn't look good because he is more not like Busquets who, who holds his position, which is super important for the... For the um, 
defensive midfielder uh, in the Barcelona structure, but De Jong is more like driving forward, more moving around. So that's not in the structure of Barca's midfield. That's not what they need. So he struggled there. Um, in the other two games, Balverde has put him as a number eight, so as a central midfielder, and there he looked better. What he, he was still like not knowing when to move forward, when to come closer to the to receive the ball. So it's interesting. Yeah, he's you can definitely say he's struggling and he's searching for his best game so far. So we will see if he starts at Dortmund and how he's doing there. I mean, the same thing after three games sort of can be also said about Julian Brandt, who uh, is yet to fully click with the rest of the team. I mean, that's that's just normal, I guess. Um, so how uh, does Barcelona's midfield three look like? I assume they will also play in Dortmund with their 4-3-3 system. Is it going to be Busquets, Sergio, Roberto and, and De Jong? Or how do you think this whole setup will look like? Well, I think there's a question mark about the midfield um, because... I mean, I'm sure that Busquets will start at the at the defensive um, midfield position. That's for sure. But then we are not yet sure um, who the pairing will be. So if the central midfielders will be Rakitic, who didn't start a single game so far this season. Um, and there's not much clearance why this has been the case, because Valverde absolutely loves Rakitic as a player. He He's one of the most used players in in the last two seasons under Valverde. But now he didn't start him in a single game. So much was said that this is due to the club trying to sell Rakitic. And so Valverde wanted to play him, but wasn't allowed. So this is a kind of rumor. And then, as I said, the young struggled with Rakitic being on the bench. So we have to see if, if Rakitic finally starts, if um, if Frankie de Jong maybe starts, then there's Arthur who was at the Copa America, arrived late to, um, to the preseason training, now settles in, but now with the international break, he, he already had to flew, uh, fly overseas. So he's probably not starting against Valencia, but he could be then fresh against BVB. So maybe we see Arthur there. So there are like three, these three players for the two positions next to Busquets. So we will have to see. Um, right now it's difficult to say because, as you mentioned, um, the game against Valencia is not played yet. So we have to see who starts against Valencia and how they look. And then maybe we see who starts against BVB. Yeah, quickly, how, how good are Valencia doing right now? Is this a big test for Barcelona like Leverkusen will be for Dortmund? Or uh, are they average right now? Um, they are as average as Barca are, to be honest, because they only won one out of three games and drew the other one. So they have the same record as Barca. So a slow start for Valencia as well. They now changed the coach. Very surprisingly, they fired Marcelino, who um, managed to to uh, come fourth, so qualify for the Champions League, then won the Copa del Rey, the, the cup final, the Spanish cup final against Barca. Huge achievement for Valencia, obviously, after years and years without winning a title. And now they fired him three three games in. So this was a huge yeah, surprise, you can say, in Spain. And the word is that they didn't fire him because of the slow start, but because there was um, Peter Lim, the owner of the of the club of Valencia and Marcelino had a fallout about transfers, about the general structure of the club, the way they they do their work, basically. So, yeah, they fired Marcelino. So this was be, will be super interesting. They two, two days before the game against Barca and they come with a new coach to the Camp Nou. So difficult to, to say much about them as a team now. Yeah, that's very true. Um, last on on the flip side, um, are there any players Dortmund have to be really really scared about because of how Barcelona play? Do you think Antoine Griezmann will be uh, the the most uh, threatening player against Dortmund, or do you think uh, it's it's more the sum than uh, any any individual player that uh, will be threatening to Dortmund? I mean, without. Messi without Suarez, without Dembele. I mean, Griezmann is the only one left, basically, of that that Fab Four front line, if you like. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not 
entirely sure who's even going to be flanking him. I think there's this kid, Carlos Perez is his name, I think. Yes. Uh, he uh, started one of these games uh, because of all the injuries. Uh, I, I, I only watched uh, the, the loss against uh, Bilbao on the first match day and the first half on of the, the second game. So uh, I'm not necessarily the most well-versed when it comes to Barca, but uh, neither one of these attacking options without the, the the absolute superstars minus Griezmann has really impressed me too much in those uh, 135 minutes, which is the extent of my knowledge because <laughs> that was the first I've seen of Barca in years in the league anyway. But you watch very um, closely, so they're very valuable 135 minutes last. <laughs> ob yeah, obviously. <laughs> not, I'm, I'm not on my phone all the time during games, right? Like like we all are. So, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it comes down to, uh, if you look at only the attacking players, Griezmann, but obviously with a team like Barca, they have such a long-standing philosophy, even if Valverde is a more conservative or however you want to call him coach than his predecessors, I think it's still Barcelona and there's still an innate way of uh, playing in that team. So even if they lack some of the, the grand names up top uh, just because of injuries, I mean, it's still Barcelona and they still have uh, that that great midfield, whoever is going to actually start there. They still have uh, Jordi Alba and Semedo bombing down the, the, the flanks. I mean, it's still a very good team. They even are, I would say, a bit dangerous on set pieces with Piquet, uh, which is something Dortmund are obviously always going to be aware of. So I think even <laughs> or if... Or will they? <laughs> they, uh, they should be anyway. Um, or they will be aware of it before the game and maybe after the game, but during the 90 minutes, who knows? Um, so I don't think it's it's going to come down to who's available. It's just this is Barcelona. Dortmund haven't really played them. So I think they, they'll be on the lookout for everything. Um, regarding Suarez, uh, right now it looks that he will be fit in, uh, in time because he joined the, the team training this week. So uh, unlike Messi, um, Luis Suarez is back with the team. So right now it looks likely that he will, um, he will play against Dortmund. So at least one big name attacker is, is back in the lineup. Um, so there's that. But yeah, it looks like Carles Perez um, will start a 21-year-old kid from, from Barça B, the second, um, uh, the B team, the, the team in the third division. So yeah, or maybe, um, they, they play a flat 4-4-2. This could also be the case because Valverde in the past, um, used this lineup two seasons ago quite, quite a lot when, uh, Usman Dembele was injured. Because he was injured quite a lot for Barca, unfortunately. So we could actually see a front two of Griezmann and, and Suarez. That would be kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah, has this happened uh, often before that these two partnered up up front? Uh, they partnered up in, in preseason because Messi hasn't uh, been part of preseason because of the Copa America, as I mentioned, and because of his injury. So in preseason, yes, um, Griezmann and Suarez has have partnered up and obviously it's difficult to judge preseason when they play in, in Japan or in the United States, but they look kind of good together, um, Griezmann and, and Suarez. So I would be looking forward to this front duo, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Suarez, he obviously plays a bit more on the left and uh, so far 40% of attacks uh, from Barcelona have come via the left side. Is that mostly down to Jordi Alba or, um, or more also because of Frankie de Jong? Because I think he also played a bit more on, on the left. Uh, why is Barca a bit more lopsided, even though Messi is not in the team right now? Do you have an explanation yeah, exa for that? Yeah, exactly. Messi usually plays in the half space on the right, not on the right flank, but like on paper, he starts on, on the right um, attacking side. And usually Jordi Alba is a one man left flank, if you, if you will. So he, he bombs forward a lot. So that's his, his main job basically. And it will be interesting because as I said, Messi is out. Um, Griezmann, when he played in the front three, I think in the first games, he was, um, deployed on the left side as well, or more at least on paper on the left side. 
but he's not used to this role anymore because he played a second striker against, uh, for Atletico in the last couple of years. So actually Griezmann is more comfortable in the f flat 4-4-2. So maybe we actually see that and then Jordi Alba would again have the job to do in attack and, and defense on the left side on his own basically so it's interesting i mean as i said we should we have to wait the valencia game to see how how things are, are playing out i know i know i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, i assume there will be a lot of work coming uh, uh for one lucas pischek um so yeah it, it's going it's going to be tough last now um Even though we still have not seen the Leverkusen game, do you think this um, match will be a good test for Dortmund? Uh, because Leverkusen are also ve very possession-heavy side. Uh, behind Dortmund, they have the second-most possession in Bundesliga, obviously, and Barcelona, obviously. Who else has the most possession in, in La Liga and are also... I don't know how aggressive they are, but Leverkusen most certainly will be. Um, so do you think this will be a, a, a good... Uh, litmus test for the black and yellows i mean as far as tests go i think the spanish champion uh superstar collection of barcelona in the champions league on match day one is about as as high as it gets i mean even if one would say they are probably not the the best team in the world right now which i guess would be either liverpool or man city I mean, uh, it doesn't get much harder than facing Barcelona in the Champions League, even without Messi. Uh, so obviously it's a huge test, but I, I think in general, the, 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 the first, as we say in Germany, English week of the season is going to be really hard on Dortmund because as uh, you mentioned, they first have Leverkusen at home. Then it's Barca at home and then they travel to Eintracht Frankfurt on Sunday. Wow. Uh, so, so that's like, three super uh or, or three teams that are extremely good going forward uh that like to play attacking football i mean it's debatable i guess with uh, valverde but <laughs> he, he, he he there's not there's nothing he can do about uh, the team he has at his disposal so i mean if if nothing else i mean i don't think we need to talk about possession or whatever and it's not going to be that intricate in my opinion the, the big test for dortmund is going to be facing three really good attacking uh, outfits in Leverkusen, Barcelona and Frankfurt. And frankly, if what I think is not necessarily out of the question or, or you know, unlikely if they ship, you know, two goals each game, which, you know, that that's a scenario I don't think is out of or is unlikely, as I said that there are going to be many questions asked about Dortmund as opposed to, uh, you know, beating Leverkusen and Frankfurt and getting a draw against Barcelona, for example. That would be considered a, a great uh, restart after the international break. So I think there's quite a bit on the line, especially with the way Dortmund limped into the international break with the embarrassing defeat against Union Berlin. So I think there's there are a lot of moving parts, uh, especially for Dortmund going into the the three games uh, as a as a, in general. Yeah, that's some week Dortmund is having, huh? Frankfurt, yeah, Leverkusen, Barca. Wow. Or yeah, Leverkusen, Barca, Frankfurt. To put it to put it <laughs> uh, in the right way. Last to stay on that real quick. Um, do you think that Favre is already a little bit on the hot seat? I mean, um, we have seen before the international break that the problems uh, from the last season uh, sort of prevailed. Um, however, I think it's fair to say Dortmund still managed to play rather well or at least get results against the quote unquote better teams of the Bundesliga. If that now also turns sour, do you think, um, he is already a bit oh, a bit in trouble and the entire atmosphere surrounding the club because as you said there's a lot on the line uh, how do you specifically see that panning out if things go AWOL I mean it's uh, it's quite funny actually a little bit of a spoiler alert here uh, I, I before we started recording I watched the final episode of that Amazon Prime I want to almost say mockumentary because it's not really an, a documentary on Dortmund's season. Uh, it's 
Uh, that's another discussion anyway. Um, so <laughs> one, one of the final, one of the final. I'm very intrigued uh, in your thoughts, however, because I haven't seen it yet. I mean, it's they they try to make a an image film. That I, I think that's a German term using English words, but I mean they they try to use this as promotion, but I don't think they they really allowed any real insights uh, into the inner workings of the club. Which I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, the all or nothing uh, season on Man City with Guardiola, but that was a lot better than this on Dortmund. So uh, I, I gave it a five out of ten uh, on my uh, Twitter thread on TV shows I watched this season and uh, <laughs> or this year rather, and that's not a very good rating. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask: Is five an average rating or a decent rating or a poor rating? I think the the lowest I've gone this season, uh, this year uh, <laughs> on 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 anything was like a, I, th I think it's three on Bear Grylls, but a four on actual TV shows. So, anyway, one of the final uh, sentences <laughs> is uttered by Michael Zorc, and he speaks about uh, hoping uh, that they'll be better against the. The, the worst sides of the Bundesliga against whom they dropped so many points last season. And he, or he, he, uh, mentioned winning 27 or 30 points against the top teams, only losing at Bayern, uh, and dropping 10 points against, you know, relegation battlers. And then watching this, uh, uh sequence play out like two weeks after they dropped an absolute goose egg at Union Berlin. <laughs> that was kind of, kind of funny to me anyway. Uh, so I, Based on Favre alone, I don't think he's under any kind of pressure. He's not going to get sacked uh, unless he has like a run akin to Peter Bosch's two years ago. Wait, wait, wait. Why are we talking about him possibly being sacked on the third match day already? Because of one loss against Un Union Berlin. No, no, no. I mean... <laughs> the It, uh, it they only lost one game this season, but they I I don't see how they have improved in any material way on what they did last season, which was the the, the point of the entire summer. But anyway, I was saying that he's not going to get sacked anyway, uh, unless he has the kind of run that Peter Bosch had two years ago, where I mean Dortmund they they couldn't win a game uh, against replacement level uh, opposition uh, at some point uh, during that run, so. Um, they extended uh, Lucien Favre's contract before the season so he wouldn't go into this year as a lame duck. I think uh, I've said a few times, I'm not sure whether we've talked about this on the podcast here, that I think that was not necessarily a move that, that I would have made. And I can certainly see a scenario in which Lucien Favre is not the head coach going into uh, the 2020-2021 season. But uh, I, I see a very small chance for any kind of scenario where he would be under a huge amount of pressure uh, in the middle of September, um, especially given that on on the whole of it, I think everybody at Dortmund was still very happy with uh, the results of his first season. And I mean, we've talked about that on this show. I think that, you know, 76 points and second place finish is nothing to scoff at. And the only thing that made it You know, a bit disappointing was the way it came together. So uh, I don't, I don't see how we need to be talking about Lucien Favre's job security just now. Well, no, I'm, 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 I'm not really sure. Uh, I, I phrased the question correctly then because I can't see Favre getting sacked at all. Um, also, just because there's not any viable alternative right now uh, to start with. But um, yeah. It, It's 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 just more the the general atmosphere, um, but you know in in football these things change all the time. Um, Alex, you know best yourself with Barcelona. Uh, I I think uh, that people get frustrated rather quickly, but uh, when the results come back, everything is uh, flowers and sunshine again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, regarding Barca, there is a similar topic topic there because they don't improve a bit under Valverde they they stagnate for now two years um, so I think he is more on the fire way more than or under pressure than than Favre is regarding the the, the game on on Tuesday um, so if this goes south and as I said they play in Dortmund so it's a super super tough game for Barcelona so if this goes south I think the the 
pressure will be high on, on Valverde in the next games, or he might really face the sack. Or at least like the, the let's put it that way, the Spanish press or the, the press in Barcelona will ask que uncomfortable questions if they if they lose to Dortmund. So, yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not out of the ordinary to lose in Dortmund. I mean, Atletico got pounced for nothing last yeah, year. Absolutely. So it, it can happen. <laughs> the Westfalen Sharon is still a very special ground. So um, I'm, I'm personally really hoping that it's going to be one of those magical nights. Uh, Could be. So, um, but my, my question to you is more about the, you just said or, or last said that uh, Valverde is a bit more conservative. Um, when I think no, of he, he's he's said to be. I I have no way of actually knowing that. No, but it's it's true. It's right. He is very conservative. That's so. So how how does this quote unquote conservatism translate on the pitch? Is it more about the substitution he makes, or is the team playing not as aggressively as they usually are? Yeah, the latter thing. Um, it's often said said that a team plays the way the character of the manager is um so you can definitely see that in barca they don't i mean look at liverpool the that's the the perfect example they play with so much hunger with so much belief with so much motivation um which is ev due to klopp definitely and the other example is barca's valverde who plays sometimes very slowly they take things easy they You, they don't play sometimes with the necessary urgency, um, which was the case twice now in their opening in both away games to Bilbao and um, to where did they play uh, Osasuna exactly in in the league. So they play slowly. Sometimes they without Messi they don't have ideas. They they lack the urgency. They lack the maybe even commitment. The 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 gegen pressing is not the best, or sometimes only in spells, you know. Um, so all of this amounts to them not looking uh, like a top top team at times, especially away for ho from home. Now, if they play at the Camp Nou, whole different story. There, they can they can absolutely um, stomp every opponent or. or shoot them out of their stadium if if you like but away from home they often look very lackluster and yeah they they are lacking essential things which as we know we have seen in Rome in the Champions League we have seen in Liverpool in the Champions League and yeah I'm a bit afraid it could happen again on Tuesday Last do you think the whole character of the coach translating to the pitch thing is also a thing in Dortmund Uh, I mean, the way Dortmund throw away points is more out of nervousness than, you know, lack of uh, aggression and courage going forward, which I think is more how I perceive Favre to be. I think, I don't think he's flustered on the, on the touchline or anything. I don't think he is scared of dropping points. I think he's just not, you know, aggressive enough, uh, to to push all his chips on the table in the decisive moments so i mean generally i would also subscribe to the theory that you can definitely see the the character of the coach in the way his teams play but ultimately i think in dortmund the problems are uh, other uh, of of other natures than that so um i definitely kind of feel like Favre is not necessarily the perfect fit for Uh, what most fans want to see out of Dortmund, but I wouldn't, you know, put it on on him uh, that at times the the team doesn't actually perform that way. Yeah, no, neither would I, especially um, because the symptoms Dortmund have shown under Favre, they've already shown under other coaches. So it's not like exclusive Lucien Favre problems. To be perfectly honest, I think uh, the hashtag sad pieces has been established way before him and uh, you know just throwing away points against minnows in the league is uh, a specialty that Dortmund have uh, already had uh, you know under late Klopp or Tuchel or whatever you you, you want to see it so uh, that's also not exactly a novelty um, but Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. However, how both coaches will line up. I think the uh, problems that uh, Alex just described 
about Barcelona are very similar to what we <laughs> would uh, um, describe or how we would describe Dortmund's problems, to be uh, perfectly honest. Well, if we look at the last away games of both uh, both teams, Dortmund to, to Union Berlin and, and Barca to Osasuna, it was fairly similar. I have to agree with that. Yeah, both teams not looking at their best, not look looking um, that sharp, playing against underdogs, um, and yeah, having empty possession, missing like the last five or ten percent in urgency, in motivation, and yeah, there are similarities definitely. Yeah. So Lars, how will that change um, in the, in the next two games? Because um, Dortmund will no longer play against Minos. I assume both Leverkusen and Barcelona will definitely offer them more space and especially more space to counterattack. And we, I think, assume that Dortmund are very good at counterattacking. And so how do you think Favre will utilize the space and, and the team will utilize the space that they will hopefully be offered in these two games? Well, first of all, I'm not sure I agree with the notion that Barca is going to offer them a lot of space. Uh, Leverkusen, more likely, in my opinion, just knowing a bit about Peter Bosch, obviously, and, and <laughs> having seen how his teams work in the Bundesliga, I think we can definitely expect, uh, you know, a helter-skelter kind of game on Saturday. <laughs> Whereas I think Barcelona, especially, I, I, I would say that Barcelona are more of, more aware of their lack of pace in defense than Peter Bosch seems, uh, seems to be and has seemed to be over his entire, uh, tenure in the Bundesliga in general. I mean, he has the same defensive problems or at least similar defensive problems at Leverkusen that he already had at Dortmund. So I, I'm, I, I think. The, the Leverkusen game is going to be more open with more chances for perhaps even for both sides, uh, as opposed to the Barca game, which I expect to be a bit more of a, you know, chess match kind of, uh, game. Obviously, uh, one factor that we, we might uh, have to think about is, you know, it's the Champions League. It's a nightly fixture under the floodlights. There's a special atmosphere. Dortmund really kind of trapped the bet in the Champions League knockout stage last season against Tottenham, even though there were some mitigating circumstances in terms of, you know, personnel missing and whatnot. Uh, but I think, you know, a Champions League night is always something special uh, and, and, and that might uh, factor into it as well. But generally, I think uh, the, the, or my money would be on the Saturday game against Leverkusen being, you know, more, quote-unquote entertaining perhaps than uh, the Barca game yeah probably um how do you think Favre will pick his team though especially in midfield um we don't know yet if Nico Schulz is available or whether Manuel Akanji will play I assume Akanji is likelier to play than than Nico Schulz um but uh, you're a big fan of the Delaney Witzel double pivot as everyone is uh, as as a Dortmund fan <laughs> so um <laughs> But but seriously, do you think it's going to be the Witzel Weigel setup, or um, how how do you think Fab will choose his side against Barcelona, and and what do you think will his his overarching match match plan, game plan, whatever, be? Well, I mean, I think Julian Weigel is probably uh, the the first alternative for Kanji at center half. Um, just because I don't see Favre being the kind of manager that would ask uh, 30-year-old Mats Hummels to move to the right centre-back position where he just doesn't play, even though he's right-footed. I mean, his almost his entire career, I think there were games for Germany uh, in that partnership with Holger Badstuber, you know, back in like 2012, where he was the right side of centre-half. But generally in the Bundesliga, he's been almost 100% on the left side. And I don't think... Uh, Favre was going to ask him to move over just so he can include uh, Dan Axel Zagadou who hasn't played this season so that kind of eliminates Weigel as a midfield option unless Akanji is uh, ready to play against Barca given how Akanji has performed I don't see a huge drop off uh, between him and Weigel at center half the, the only thing is then that obviously you would probably be looking at Delaney next to Witzel which uh, is not great to look at uh, even though against, you know, a side like Barca, that was 
I, I guess, kind of the plan when they signed Delaney, you know, to have someone to, uh, you know, disrupt uh, other teams and kind of uh, push push uh, against, uh, you know, teams dominating Dortmund or trying to overrun Dortmund or however you want to call it. So I think uh, it, it seems likely to me that it's going to be Weigl at center half unless Akanji is 100% good to go. And then by default almost, I mean... I can't really see uh, Farfa going with Mahmoud Tahoud against Barcelona, and I definitely did, wouldn't, you know, recommend doing that. So I think it's it, it's likely going to be Witzel Delaney and hoping for the best. <laughs> All right, I have I have to say I'm I'm. It's interesting to see who which team will maybe sit deeper and wait for the counter because sometimes uh, Favre's Dortmund is doing that right, even in in home games against big teams um, that they are a bit overly cautious and they only adapt later in the game we've seen this against Bayern for example last last year in the famous what was it 3-2 right yes um, where the first half was pretty poor from Dortmund's uh, from Dortmund um, and then they they stepped up their game in in the second half so it will be interesting um, if maybe they allow Barca the, the ball or if they pressure them high um, to see yeah, Favre's approach there. Yeah, that's uh, also something that that I'm very curious about because I can very much see Dortmund sitting back at first and, and not going out all guns blazing right away, as you just described, just because um, Favre likes to have a more cautious approach. Um, sometimes I actually feel uh, going out all guns blazing is the more cautious approach because especially at the beginning of a game, you can overwhelm op opponents and then keep them away from your own goal that way. And we all know that Dortmund, uh, you know, with a cold start are uh, not 100% switched on right away in, in the game. So if they have to defend, um, it can get a little bit tricky. Now, um, I personally don't know if there's much more we can talk about, um, just because we don't know how the, how the weekend games pan out. So Alex, um, I would ask you maybe to, to talk about what Barcelona have to worry about from, from your perspective, because obviously Dortmund also have quite the attack. And, uh, how do you think the return of Paco Alcázar will be? Um, well, the first thing they should worry about Dortmund pressuring high because that's when Barca feel uncomfortable. So that's why I would absolutely recommend Favre, if I could, um, that he should not sit back, um, but he should do what Dortmund are best at, go at teams at home. Um, be, be brave, have the ball, um, do a lot of early pressure, uh, press. Uh, pressure um, the gegen press has to be very high um, that's when Barca is very very uncomfortable especially away from home that's when they struggle when when opponents are playing with bravery and with guts um, so that's what I would advise Dortmund to do and then you uh, can trouble Barca a lot um, to your second question about Alcacer I think he will score <laughs> to plain and simple because that's what he does, right? Um, and sometimes in football, it is like that, you know, uh, a, a player uh, switching teams um, who maybe didn't fit in uh, at his old club and now he faces them again and he scores against them. So I would totally put my money on Paco scoring at least one goal. All right. Yeah. Um, really Real quick, Lars, um, do you think that Marco Roy's form will pick up a little bit in the next two two games? How exactly would I know that, Stefan? I don't know. It's speculation, <laughs> Lars. Sometimes yeah, we do I mean, that here. <laughs> the, the only way is up uh, for Marco Reus because, quite frankly, he has been not very good uh, to start the season, uh, including the two international games with Germany where he basically did nothing so uh, I mean it's much of the same uh, compared to last season he uh, last season he scored a couple goals early but didn't really perform up to the standards Marco Reus has set for himself over the years so it, I mean it, I'm not worried or anything this is just kind of I guess his his thing now that he needs a little time to get going at the start of the campaign and 
I think at some point things are going to click and he's going to be uh, the, 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 the guy we know. So, I mean, as I said, I'm not worried, but uh, who's to say that it's going to happen in these two games and not, you know, against Frankfurt and whomever they play after that? Yeah, I mean, usually uh, Royce does well against Leverkusen, so maybe uh, that should be a good warm-up game. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually very excited about this uh, game against Barcelona because I really do want to see how, how the likes of uh, Jaden Sancho and, and uh, Julian Brandt uh, will do. And Torgen Hazard, I think, will also be available now um, with with Sancho in particular, I think, in the, in the Champions League. He has struggled here and there a little bit uh, on on the big occasion, but uh, I think he is on the trajectory of that not being a thing uh, anymore going forward. So um, yeah, that's uh, obviously a big game for for him as well. Uh, I agree, and um, I have to say, I would if I'm Favre, I would put Sancho on the left wing. Usually he plays on the right, correct? Yeah, I would play him on the left because Semedo is um, injured a little bit at the moment. So it's not sure if he will be fit in time. He um, sustained a discomfort, something uh, in his right foot in the in the Portugal game. So he, he didn't play in the last game against Lithuania. So we don't know yet if Semedo uh, will be fit and will start as right back. And if he doesn't play, then Sergi Roberto is the right back and Sergi Roberto is not a normal right back he's a midfielder so he's not the best defender and his positioning and his um yeah defending is not the best so Sancho should go up against Sergio Roberto and has have some space there to cause Barca all kinds of trouble so this could be an interesting matchup if it comes to it Yeah, especially uh, when Achraf Hakimi is on that side as well, because I really don't see Nico Schulz uh, recovering in time for this game. Yeah, true. Yeah. So um, it could be a bit uh, chaotic on on that particular wing from both teams, but uh, we will see. I think Hakimi too will be very motivated against Barcelona as a, a Madridista or however you call them. Um, so yeah. Um, A lot of interesting matchups, definitely know, in this game. But Even yeah. though we don't know how they will will play, but still, um, either way you put it, a lot of interesting things that could happen line in in terms of the lineups. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of football fans will also look for the uh, matchup between Axel Witzel and, and Sergio Busquets, even though they sometimes sit both a bit deeper. But I think they will meet on the football field. So. Um, Yeah, that should also be quite intriguing to see how, um, you know, who, who wins that matchup. I don't know in what form Busquets is in, but I think Witzel has done well so far this season before his injury. So, um, yeah. What's, what's your prediction? What do you guys predict score wise or who's the favorite or what do you um, expect? I, I actually predict a three to win for Dortmund. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think I think it's it's going to be a bit of a goal fest. Um, Lars, what do you think? One all, no goal fest. <laughs> Lars, quickly, uh, what's your prediction for the uh, Leverkusen game? Because I've I've just went out and predicted three two for both games. Yep. Uh, then I say four two for Dortmund. Uh, but you know, much of the same from last season. So as I said before, kind of. Uh, helter skelter uh, to and fro between the two teams but you know home field advantage plus i think a little more individual quality up front gives dortmund the edge yep sounds good uh, so alex then now it's on you to uh, predict i hope I, uh, we will see a goal fest or at least a very entertaining game because i will be at the game i will attend it so i'm looking forward to a great game but i don't really expect um, lots of goals I think I'm going with a 1-1 draw as well because first match day both teams probably a bit cautious C could be a chess game as you said Stefan so I could totally see uh, something like that and both teams actually being happy um, with a draw in their first game in this complicated group 
Yeah, I think I would agree. I think a draw would be uh, perfectly fine for both teams, uh, um, especially for Barca. As I said, away from home, they are they are often not at their best. There. So I think they would totally sign off on the on a one uh, on a point in in Dortmund. Yeah, Inter uh, play against Slavia Prague um, just uh, be- before the game because they have the earlier kickoffs. So uh, Dortmund and Barcelona fans will be able to see that game unless they go. Um, to the match as as you uh, in in person because then I assume you will not I don't know if they'll show it on the on the big screen in the stadium uh, but I doubt it but who knows um, how how they manage that some sometimes they they show a couple of uh, you know Champions League highlights you know there's a highlight feed I don't know how how they will manage it but uh, I will hope you still have a lot of fun uh, regardless <laughs> whether you. you see the other games or not so um, Alex. Again, thank you very much for coming on and uh, my, my pre- pleasure, my pleasure previewing this game with without the knowledge of the uh, weekend match. So um, yeah, we are all very excited. So uh, please uh, tell our listeners uh, how to follow you on Twitter and where to read your work. Yeah, my Twitter handle is the same as my name, Alex Trujka. Um You can find my work on on Barca World. I'm I'm as you said, I'm the editor there. So yeah, unfortunately, it's in German. So don't know how many German listeners are uh, are uh, users are listening to us. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter or on Barca World. Well, there are quite a few. Um, Lars, how can people get in touch with you and read your stuff? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Lars Polman and I will direct them to s- select a few of my pieces for Fußball.news. <laughs> that is very kind of you, Lars. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter if you want to get in touch with the entire crew. Please at Yellowpot on Twitter or Facebook if you want to read my written content go to theyellowwall.net and pledge one buck via patreon and then you will get all the access to all the articles on there and if you want to sponsor an episode go to patreon.com slash theyellowwall to subscribe to this podcast you can do that via itunes soundcloud stitcher and now even spotify and uh, i've added a youtube channel as well so um many ways to listen to the show if you want to try another thing um if you're listening to this on SoundCloud because it doesn't pop up in your Google feed, you might have to refresh that because I discontinued the old RSS feed. So, uh, yeah, please, uh, if, if you, if it doesn't update in your f- podcatcher right now, please uh, update the RSS feed, which you can also find on uh, the, the yellowwall.net. So, um, yeah, as always, everyone out there, thank you for listening. We will be back with our analysis for this Barcelona game next week and obviously preview the upcoming match against Eintracht Frankfurt. There will be, I assume, lots to talk about in this English week. So again, everyone out there, thank you for listening to you too. Thanks for coming on with me and goodbye.